All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us once again. And we are on lesson 13 in the Grace, the Power of the Gospel series. And now the subtitle for tonight's lesson is The Schoolmaster. The Schoolmaster. All right. So if you if you hear that phrase schoolmaster, you know we still talking about the law. Okay. All right. So we are still talking about the law. So let's let's start in Romans. Romans chapter seven. Romans seven. And we'll read verses four through six. Four through six. Now I'll read that from the from the New Living Translation. And we might look at it in the Amplifier too. And it reads like this. So, my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. When we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us. And the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds, resulting in death. But now we have been released from the law, for he died to it and are no longer captive to his power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the spirit. Now, we talked a little bit last time about the unity that we have with Christ's death. And I think that's something that we we often miss the reality of the the reality of our union with Christ's victory over death, hell and the grave. In our unity with his fulfillment of the law because he fulfilled the law for us. Because we can't do it in and of ourselves. I want us to look at verse 6. Well, I'm, I'm going to read verse 5 and 6 in the Amplified too. And it reads like this. He says, likewise, my brethren, you have undergone death as to the law through the crucified body of Christ so that now you may belong to another to him who raised from the dead who was raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God when we were living in the flesh mere physical physical lives the sinful passions that were awakened and aroused by what the law makes sin were constantly operating in our, nat- our natural powers in our bodily organs in the sensitive appetites and wheels of the flesh so that we bore fruit for death. But now we are discharged from the law and have terminated all intercourse with it. 
having died to what once restrained and held us captive. So now we serve not under obedience to the old code of written regulations, but under obedience to the promptings of the spirit and newness of life. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a serious upgrade to me. Mm-hmm. It's so much nicer to do something because you want to do it rather than you're made to do it. That you have a desire to do it. Something good, I mean, you know. Mm-hmm. Then to, you know, oh, well, God's word, or the Bible says for me to do this. But I really want to do this. But you're really like, oh, wow, you know, being a new creation and really believing in one. I want to do this, God. Mm-hmm. Just, you know. Right. Because you're talking about external versus internal motivation. Fear versus love. Now, both are very powerful motivators. Fear and love, they are are strong motivators. But the thing about love is, is, what does the scripture say about love? Love never fails. Love never fails. Yep. But fear will. Yep. Now, when I was reading that to amplify, did anything jump out to any of you? Looking at verse 6, it says, But now we are discharged from the law and have terminated all intercourse with it. No more. We're not supposed to be blending anymore, like, you know, mixing the two together. Right. It's all supposed to be about relationship. Right. Now, if anybody has experienced bankruptcy or knows anything about bankruptcy, right, you, you file for it. Because, you know, you, you're unable to pay your debts. And once the petition is made, all right, your accounts are discharged. All right. So those debts are discharged. And after a certain number of years, they will fall off of your credit report. Okay. Yeah. So. Looking at that phrase discharged as used here in Amplify, it says, we have been discharged from the law. So the, the violations that we have, the sin, all that, it's been discharged. It's not being held against us. Against us. Why? Because of what Christ has done. In the second half of this, it says, and have terminated all intercourse with it. So based on what Paul is saying, we don't we don't relate to the law. We don't intercourse with it. We don't deal with it anymore. We're divorced from it. Yeah, the intimacy is gone. Now, exactly. Now, when people say that. I, I can see the religious skeptic. He get ready to call me right now. <laughs> and call me a heretic. Oh, you, 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 I'll look at you. You, you're, you're 
you're talking about the law. You're talking about the moral code. You speak, you're, you're teaching godlessness. No, that's not what we're saying. We're just reading what Paul is, 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 is telling us here. The law is no longer a, a my, my guide. Now, does it illustrate God's standard? Absolutely. Absolutely. It does, right? Because yeah. he says it under another one into the scriptures, but it's always, you know, a lot of us know it. You know, it's like, is the law sin? God forbid, you know, the, well, it's King James, but mm -hmm. of course not. You know, it's once you get the heart of what he's saying here, you will not do the law. You will do what God's word says naturally more and more as you walk in it. You will naturally. Mm -hmm. And instead of focusing again on all the what you can't do. Yeah. Instead of focusing on what you can't do, you start focusing on what you can do. Mm -hmm. What you can do through Jesus, through what he did, through God, through love. All of those attributes of the fruit of the spirit. Right. Right. Because I'm I'm connecting with his victory, what he did. So my my standing, my confidence no longer is in what I'm doing. It's in what he did. Yes. And that frees me up to just enjoy my relationship with him. Yes. Yeah, instead of focusing on what you might do wrong and he might punish you, you're focusing on what you're doing right. And the rest he will just help you with. When you fall short, he's there now. But you're not focusing on falling short anymore. You're focusing on what he did. It's, it's better mm -hmm. that way. Instead of, it's more like. Mm -hmm. Pulling from our outline, says, Before we were born again, our sin nature, strengthened by the power of the law, motivated and compelled us to do sinful actions. Remembering that sin here in, in, in Romans 7 and 5, sin here as in most part, most of Romans is a noun in the original Greek. We can better understand what Paul was saying. The law governed and ruled over our sinful nature. Next point. But the law was given only for people with a sinful nature. So if that's true, then... You as a believer, do you need to be trying to lead your life by the law? Well, first you got to believe that your sinful nature has been taken away. I think that's something that people haven't got a revelation of. You got to believe that I no longer have the sinful nature that I was born with. You know, I've been changed in that area because as long as you think, um, I know in some cases, you know, people are taught they have two natures. And I think in, in this chapter right here was it could be taught, you know, you know how Paul talked about how, you know, uh, I think we dealt with that earlier, how, you know, when I would do good, he was always present and, you know, in some cases, people teach that, well, now you got two natures. You got, you still got your sinful nature, and then you got God's nature. You, but when you get a revelation, okay, no, I no longer have a sinful nature and believe that. Now I'm, I'm going to stop. Okay, so I don't have the equipment I used to have. I got new equipment. 
now I'm going to be able to say, okay, since I no longer have this, I'm going to start to live like what the Bible says I am because I now I believe who I am and no longer have this equipment. God gave me, I'm a new creation, so now I have a new nature. So now I got to find out what I am equipped with now. And, and once you believe that, you begin to start to live in that. I love too something that Andrew Womack talked about that um you know that he said the Holy Spirit does not convict us of anything but of one thing and that's the relationship with God and he goes and explains about his teachings and stuff but he um Andrew Womack may use the scripture I couldn't remember what it was but I looked it up John um, sixteen verse eight where it says that as the King James and when he has come the Holy Spirit he will reprove the world of sin and righteousness and of judgment. And Andrew went into depth if you like studied into it deeper. There's a lot to say here, but sin is not sins. Like it's sin. It's like not being a relationship. And he goes like, you know, he, he talked about like having like immoral sexual relations and things like that. You know, like the world will try to use, well, you'll get a disease or you'll get this or you'll get this. And he goes, well, what if there was a cure for that? You know, what if they make cures for AIDS and a cure for this? He goes, but it should be it's like, hey, you know, trust God, you know. Trust God with your yourself, your body, you know, like anything, you know, these don't do's and don'ts. It all comes back down to trusting God in a relationship with Him. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because Jesus said in, in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Right. So that's this is what he's saying. Yeah. So the reality is there's one sin that is that sends you to hell now. There's one. Yep. And what is that? Yeah. It's, re it's rejecting him. Yeah. That's it. It's not. It's because it's not. It's not about all the the, the checklists. It's not yeah, about yeah. you know your res your sin resume. It's not about that anymore. Yeah. What did you do with Jesus? That's the question. Yeah. And now, it's that's not just in reference to our our eternal our, our eternal home. But it's also in reference to what? Our lives. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. It's true. John 17, 3, it says eternal life, you know, is knowing the Father and knowing Jesus, who, you know, he said the yes. true God and Jesus, who said, we always say like eternal life. Yes. Don't burn in hell, which of course that is a part of it. We don't want to go to hell, of course. But, you know, it's knowing Jesus, you know, definitely relationship. Yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. I always love to say that oh, when you know many years we'd say like well you just want fire and church selling people and it's like well that's all we were taught that it was for you know so yeah, that's right. yeah. now don't get me wrong now I appreciate it if that fire oh, yeah. insurance absolutely Amen. there's more to it than we realize yeah. that yeah. we can understand in our natural mind sure. yes. okay there's another thing I remember somebody pointing out it's like I went to hell it's like being saved from the fire and all the punishments, but there was one they talked about that said the almost like an eternal separation from God because God is there, but you can't access him anymore because you've been eternally separated from him in that way. That's the and worst that's part. I always, always wonder. Be, I mean, he he is the fire. His purity is like how can he is the fire? I just yeah. something to think about. It. Oh yeah, it's always thought about. I had I thought about a human being. It's his goodness that you can't handle. And that's what's going to make hell, it seems. 
because they yeah. haven't received the life of Christ. Yeah, because so as, as bad as it is, you know, as bad as things are, you know, in, in the world or whatever, God's grace and his mercy is still abundant. Because we, you know, people do not, man does not know on this side of, of heaven, does not know what it is to be totally separated from his mercy. That's what Tina was reminding me the other day, that even an unbeliever can be healed mm-hmm. by the faith of the person who's praying for them. And it's, it's so easy to say, well, uh, you know, maybe they just have to come to a place where they can believe it. No, they actually can be healed because of your faith. I mean, because how good is that? Well, I mean, because Jesus, Jesus wasn't Jesus wasn't wasn't healing Christians, right? No, in his ministry. But they did come with some sort of a belief that something good was going to happen because they heard enough. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Even if right. it wasn't, it wasn't full full faith in Christ's work because he hadn't finished it. Yeah. But but well, what I was saying was there is this um, fellow that I have been praying my friend's husband and he's I think he's Hindu and he has this terrible disease where it's he his muscles his nerves it's attacking everything and the latest is that he can't open his eyes you know so if he wants to like look he has to pick up his eyelids but anyway the long story short I was saying Mary and I were talking about it because we've been doing like praying for people that were sick and stuff. And I said, well, and Mary was saying, well, he's not a believer. And I said, yeah, but my prayer is that he will be healed and that in within that healing, Jesus will reveal himself to him, you know, to say, I'm healing you. Son, your, son, your sins are forgiven and you right. stand up and walk. Yeah. Right. That's good. I was, That's good. I remember a story, um, it was on the healing conference. I cannot remember his name, but he was talking. There's one of Andrews he invited, and he talked about um, one of his children or his grandchildren. Not, it was maybe it was a child was very ill, and they prayed for the child. The child was healed. They weren't they were a little child. They're not born again. They were little little. Mm-hmm. But as they grew, they're grown now. They still have not given their life to the Lord, but they are still healed. He said, that's, he was talking about with healing goes, she just still believes she's healed. She doesn't care, you know, she doesn't give her life to the Lord or anything. She's just still living her life. But she still, it was really bad when I was wrong with her. It, it could have, I think, killed her. Yeah. But she was healed. And she's been healed all these years. Mm-hmm. So he still is, and he just wants people to be healed. We are talking about the, the laws of reciprocity, as I said, right, where you give, he wants to yeah. give back. I heard, um, Pat Ross talked about it a long time ago. It goes, corporations use it all the time to to take the principles in here of giving, and they do it, and they don't serve the Lord. They just know it works. And if you do what it says, yes. they will get back, and they do it. Right. They do it with an open heart, and they get. They just are blessed yeah. because this word stands. He said, and healing is the same thing. It's what somebody to believe, believer or not, as long as like well, this thing might work. And they're good, but we tend to use them the wrong way. That's really what it's about, yeah. isn't it? Hmm. Using the law the wrong way. Okay, that's a good segue. All right, I'm going to read that statement from the outline again. <laughs> the law was given only for people with a sinful, with a sin nature. 
the law was given only for people with a sin nature. All right. So now when you when you hear that, right, is that I mean, I know that kind of pricks the religious nerve. Oh, yeah. It doesn't it doesn't resonate. But we see it all through the gospels, all through what what Paul is talking about when we talk about identification. We talk about the, the substitution, what he did in our stead, what he did for us. He took our sins and he gave us what? His righteousness. Yeah. Right. That exchange. Yes. Yeah. But again, now the law is is it just something that is just totally useless now? Can we is is that what we're saying? No. Does it have a purpose? Well, what, what did Jesus say? I don't know the exact scripture, but that he, he didn't come to do away with the law, but to fulfill, but to fulfill it. it. Fulfill the law. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's what we're saying. Instead of he took away the what you can't do, it gave you what you can do. Because the, the reality is we couldn't fulfill the law. Yeah. So he did it for us. Yep. And, and that's what the law does for us. It shows us how utterly sinful we are. That's the purpose. We can jump through possible it is to do it. And fire things and keep And what did Jesus do when they came to him and they asked him, like, what's the greatest commandment? They tried to trap him and he goes, I'll tell you what the greatest commandments are. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, spirit, you know. And then love your neighbor as yourself. He didn't tell them what not to do, he told them what to do, and then it's like, oh, you know. (laughs) And then when you do that, and then we learn, of course, later. After he came, redeemed us. You know, I mean, he, he already came when you know raised from the dead, died and raised from the dead. That it's out of his love. We love him because he first loved us. You know, so then that's where loving the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and truth. Okay. So, if that's the greatest commandment, how many of us are doing that? <laughs> None of us perfectly. <laughs> right. Right. Because love love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind, thy strength. No slippers. Are you loving the Lord with all your mind? No. No. So you mean I know I, I'm gonna tell on me and Eric right now. I, I mean the Pittsburgh Steelers and Dallas Cowboys oh. are getting some on mine. Oh, Jesus, help us all, right? All right, all right. And, and, and some some of our minds are going to CNN and CBS, Fox and Fox News, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Love him with all your soul. So that's that's mind, will, and emotions. Are we loving him with all our emotions? If that's the case, then there are no sad days at all, ever. No road rage, ever. Now, he got me and Julie on that one right there. (laughs) No waking up grumpy. Let's start the beginning of the day. Gotta have my coffee before you. Loving with all your strength. So that means everything you're doing is directly for his his glory. Everything? Mm Can we say that for real? No, because we live in a fallen world, and and it's impossible. Things. Well, sometimes, like I just feel like, and and maybe this is then I have to go back to resting in Him and let God help mm-hmm. me do it. But 
sometimes it's just overwhelming to me. It's like, oh, this is so hard walking this Christian path sometimes, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I think to myself, well, just take that little bit of mustard seed of faith and just practice that little bit of faith. Yeah. You know, Andrew Womack talks about that, how it's just really that little mustard seed of faith mm -hmm. that we need. Everybody has the same measure of faith, right? Yeah. But it's just practicing that faith. And it's hard sometimes. I feel, I think we live in a fallen world and things, well, I'm, I'm talking for myself, things feel overwhelming to me. You know, like even overwhelming sometimes as I'm changing, because we're progressing, sometimes it's like I see things in the world and I'm, I feel like I'm pulled this way and I'm pulled this way, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then you need that, that praise break. <laughs> you can just refocus on Jesus and, and take the next step and not everything else at once. Yeah. Our emotions get pulled into it. And that's what pulls us to pull like. This is sad. This is bad. This, this makes me mad. The road rage. I told her coming down with all this traffic. I said, somebody cut right in front of us trying to get on. I mean, he um, almost hit us trying to get in. And I, she started to blow. I go, don't do that. We could let everybody because in. Because we were held in traffic. Wedged. He could have very well got out us. of that vehicle come yeah. to us. I said, road rage. And I had to depend on the love of God. I will say that. Yes, definitely. <laughs> no, and and my mother... Encouraging and coaching me. This is not the same as you run down the road. Right. It's true, though. Where does all this come back to? First John four nineteen. <laughs> if I may recommend in there, I think four nineteen. Yes, we love him because he first, first loved us, and then that it all comes to his love. You know? mm -hmm. Like it all hinges on his love. But that's good. And go to what Tia was talking about. That's why the word of God says. He says, meditate on my word day and night. Because, like you said, you get distracted. You know, things happen in the world. Things happen in your own personal life. You know, you get pulled different way. But that's why he said meditate on my word day and night. That's why it's important that we make a routine of getting the word, you know, sometime during the day. Because, you know, it's like you said, things go on. We get pulled different ways. But if you're not, you know, a train or you haven't made a habit of just, you know, reading or meditating on something, then, you know, you. what's going to happen is that the cares of the world, and we talked about, you get pulled that way. But when you have meditated on something during that day, God can bring it back to your remembrance and say, oh, you know, well, God spoke this to me, you know, and well, sometimes he'll give you a word just for that day that you may need further on in the day. You know what I'm saying? So if you don't have that habit of just meditating, then what you're left to your emotions you know, circumstance, situations to pull you away from God, you know, and, but that's why I say, that's why the Bible says meditate on it day and night so that you have something. Okay. God spoke to me this day. I read this and it may be something that you need for that particular day to take you through that day. But that's why it's, it's a good practice to just read on something, whether it's five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever the case may be. See what Eric is talking about. He's talking about getting your spiritual calories. That's right. You know, your your spiritual protein and carbohydrates and and, and um, unsaturated fats. Right. Because I mean, it, it really it. I think saturated fats. 
I mean, you, 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 you need a little bit of that too. That's the that's the oil. <laughs> because I mean, you know, seriously, seriously, because we in our physical bodies need those calories to rebuild muscle to give energy. All right. So if it works like that in the natural, how much more in the spirit? But Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone. The same principle applies. So if my word level is low, then my spirit, what type of spiritual energy am I really going to be able to produce when things come, when those challenges come? Right. So what Eric is talking about, you know, it's not it's not about legalistically setting up some, you know, rigid thing that you have to do every day. No, it's something that we get to do. And it's something that's, that's very needful and necessary because, it's, you know. Well, if uh, we could think of it as pleasurably as we do eating, right? I mean, really, right. Right. Shape, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a great, that's a guess. That's a guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, that's a great metaphor for me. <laughs> I open up their Bible and I'm like, oh man, look at that! Look at that big slice of New York pizza right there. <laughs> that big, that big slice of cheesecake or sweet potato pie and greens. Macaroni and cheese, <laughs> right? Yeah, so I love, open up Psalms and think about that um that um that, that cheesecake, right? It's sweet to the taste, right? But, but the scripture said, "What old taste is the Lord is good." Yeah, my word is honey. That's right. There you go. That's right. And the other the other thing I I just still have to come back to myself is um, remembering to edify yourself with. Um, the spirit language it is so helpful in those moments where you're dry to just start talking to the Lord it is. in the spirit language it's, um, still it's a big revelation for me <laughs> you can tell because it keeps coming back it is and again I will agree with that I know I've agreed with it before but I'll say it again because I can't I started, always remember the verse in the moment I did I, like I said I prayed in tongues again before I got the word again because I was so scared of God at one time in my life so I totally agree with you on that Right. I mean, it is, you know, it's something that you can't really, it, it's just, it is so helpful and fulfilling and refreshing, you know, and you can kind of get into, you know, and those of us who've been, you know, who've been doing it for a little while, you can kind of get to a place where it gets dry and stale and it seems like you're not, you're not really doing anything. Right. But really at the end of the day, the, when you're speaking in your prayer language, the scripture says what it says. You're getting, there's edification going on. There's building up that's going on, whether you feel it emotionally or not. So, so in those, those moments where it's, it's kind of, it seemed kind of dry, I still had the word to stand on. It's like, okay, maybe today it feels like I'm eating oatmeal instead of, you know, sweet potato pie. When I'm when I'm when I'm in my prayer language, right? But I need that I need that oatmeal, right? It's still it's still regardless of it. It may not be very sweet to the taste in that moment, but by based on what the word is saying, it is still building me up. And we don't know exactly what's going on in reference to what we're saying, who we're interceding for in the spirit. We don't know. But we're, we're, every time we do it, we're giving the Holy Spirit license to intercede on behalf of situations of people that we don't even know about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
It's true with the word too. You mean when you were talking that there's one day it may seem dry. It's the same with going to the word. And I keep reminding my kids of this when they say, "Oh, mom," <laughs> and I say, "Just start. Just start and commit that even when that thought comes, oh, this is so dry, I'm not getting anything out of it. Just commit it to the Lord and keep going because I find." Just taking that one breath and moving into it longer, he always meets you there in some way. It, it may not be the wow explosion fireworks, but he always meets you somewhere in it and gives you one nugget at least to hang on to. I, I think it's important too to have the scriptures, you know, like in your heart or in your mind, even if you don't get it in your heart yet, you know, yeah. like. Because, like, when I went through what I did, I knew so many scriptures from youth group, church, all that stuff. And a lot of them made sense. But a lot of them didn't, too. And when I went through what I did and pick up the Bible, but God showed me revelation on it and stuff because I needed to know his heart. I needed to know something. The scriptures would come back, you know, in my memory that I haven't memorized. But then it made more sense than, you know, you know what I'm so if if we are believers and that we are to have our lives governed by the spirit and not the law then the question remains what is the place or purpose for the law okay let's go to first timothy one First Timothy one, and let's start with chapter chapter one, and I'm gonna start back at verse five. And again, this is Paul's first letter to to Timothy, and I'm reading from verse five to eleven in the New Living Translation, chapter one says <clears throat> the purpose of my instruction is that all believers will be filled with love that comes from a pure heart a clear conscience and genuine faith but some people have missed this whole point they have turned away from these things and spend their time in meaningless discussions they want to be known as teachers of the law of moses but they don't know what they are talking about even though they speak so confidently we know that the law is good when used correctly. For the law was not intended for people who do what is right. It is for people who are lawless and rebellious, who are ungodly and sinful, who consider nothing sacred and defile what is holy, who kill their father or mother or commit other murders. The law is for people who are sexually immoral, who practice homosexuality, or are slave traders, liars, promise breakers, or who do it anything else that contradicts the, the wholesome teaching that comes from the glorious good news entrusted in me by our blessed God. Now, I want to read this in, in King James, verse 6 through, through 8 says, From which some have swerved, have turned aside unto vain jangling, Desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. 
But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly, for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and mothers and of, of mothers or for manslayers. So you see what you see what he's saying here? In verse verse two said the law is good. The law is good. <coughs> if a man use it lawfully, that's the key. If it's used lawfully. And I think this is the problem. It's been a lot, un, a lot of unlawful uses of the law. Mm -hmm. Like when the Pharisees said, you, can't, you could have healed the person on any other day but the Sabbath day. That's good. That's I loved nice. how Jesus came back. I was like, if your cow or your whatever was in a ditch, what are you going to do? Leave them till Monday or whatever, you know, <laughs> beginning of the week was? Like, that's how we'd say it. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. like, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> right. So the, the sum of this seems like it's saying basically the law is not for people who are saved, born again. The law is for somebody who's not born again. You know, it, it, near the end, and I was looking at King James in 10, it says it's for anything that's contrary to sound doctrine. So, you know, I have to list all those sins and stuff. So basically, which a believer, Somebody who's born again is none of those things because they they are a new creature. But somebody who's born who's not born again, they could be any of those things or anything according to sound doctrine. You know, I've always, you know, rec recommend like a new believer to read John and and you know or the Gospels and just really dive into them. But you can see how this. You know, I, I know the scriptures God breathed, but how it's also put together in order. It's a divine order. Mm -hmm. Like right after the Gospels, it it goes right into Romans, what mm -hmm. we're studying now. And Romans, you know, particularly three up to seven, it, it's just so full of grace. And it's like that would be good too for believe, you know, you know, new believer finishing John, jump right into that grace and understand how you're no longer under law but you're under grace because I, I know I'm sure I'm not the only one that heard it that you know a person they so you know they get born again they so happy and excited then they go to church and get messed up you know but it's like because you know so the importance of you know we talk about you know like meditate on the word day and night but it's like what you're meditating on it is so important, you know, and what you that revelation that you're getting, you know, like in the Gospels, you know, getting this grace, diving into grace. I mean, just consuming yourself with it. So then when somebody get legalistic, it's like immediately you recognize it. And it's like, that, that's not my God. That, that don't even sound right. Something's something's wrong with that. But what, And so. If you're a new believer, they might fall into condemnation. But when you have just delve into gospels and delve into grace, immediately you know to reject that 
you know, with some old deacon from some old church, you know, whatever, whoever he's, or some minister is just not aware of the gospel, you know, or the good news, he can't put that on, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. But I just think a lot of this teaching, speaking of what Kevin is saying, it's just a lot of bad teaching has been passed down through generation. Yeah. And so you're not aware of what you're getting. Okay, so, and I heard one somebody say, well, we're getting the cheaper instead of the deeper, you know, so therefore, if it's been, if it's been passed down, you know, and that's all you've ever heard, then, you know, I know for me, when I heard something different, I was like, wait a minute, okay, and like you said, you know, God gave you revelation, so this sounds, okay, like the God I'm serving, I said, but I've heard this all my life, and so now I'm hearing somebody say something different. And it sounds right, but, you know, and then you go through that little struggle where he's like, okay, well, but I've heard this all my life. And now it's like I'm hearing something different, which sounds true, which sounds right. And as Julia said, when you, you know, get into the spirit of the ministry of reading, you read, it's like, wait a minute. Okay, this is what it says. And so why we've we been saying this for years, years, and years, you know, so like I said, what Kevin said, you've been. I know I was passed down to certain things. It's, okay, that's all I've ever heard. Until I, you know, heard somebody else says, wait a minute, okay, this sounds good and this sounds right, you know. Well, why have I never heard this before? And so it's, it's just certain things that have been passed down through years that we've heard. And so it's like, wow. But like Kevin said, when you've really been exposed to the true gospel, it's really eye-opening and it really frees you. I know it freed me as far as, okay, this is the God of, you know, I serve and this is awesome, you know, so. And I would even say it not only sounds good, it feels good. Yeah, it's true, yeah. You know, because you're like, wow, you know, because that without that grace, it continually puts you in condemnation. You can't get it right, you know, and it's like, I'm trying, I'm trying. Exactly. But, you know, but it, it feels good. And then you can reconcile that with God is love. Right. And he loves me. And I go back to my earthly father. Wouldn't do this. So how much more with God? You know, so it's like right. it feels good. And you're sitting in there and you're like, man, this is good. Exactly. You know, really good. Yeah. What is so critical though that we, we raise up our children now to to be reading the word. I mean, even this whole issue of reading going down and down, I just feel like it's it's a big issue because they need to be finding it out for themselves. We need to be speaking it out more, we need to speak out the gospel and the word more. Because in all honesty, it's hard when you go back to a family or a church that doesn't see this yet. It's really it is to go upstream constantly. And, and it grieves your spirit very quickly and then you have to pull back and have those moments again. <laughs> but when the word is being like you said, you know, being used up the law being used unlawfully, it's just like that's what's pushing people away from God, you know, it's like, well heck, you know, you get a certain age you're like, I don't like to do with that anymore. Instead of having like the heart grounded in it. It's yes. um, well, and there's there's so much there's so much teaching and doctrine that 
that people can argue. I mean, they can do circles around me. I don't think that fast, <laughs> you know, to be able to, to pull of it. But the, but um, getting grounded in, in the word ourselves is, I think, so critical because then the Holy Spirit uses it in the, in the moment. He brings the word that, that makes the shift and makes a pause where they have to at least think, even if it's not acceptance at that point. You were talking about experience. Oh, yeah. Um, there was a, a Facebook friend. Well, she's not on my Facebook, but she sort of is. It's somebody I know from actually when I used to go see Andrew Womack in Charlotte, North Carolina, one of the church members down there. Um, she has a big testimony and stuff what God did for her. But I, I loved what she had on her bio on Facebook. And I saw it. The other day I just happened to notice it. I go, it said, a person with an experience is never at the mercy of somebody with an argument. Oh, that's you know, or whatever. And I go, basically, when you have a testimony, it, you can't. Talking about, we talked about this thing that Andrew had talked about when he had that group of people that was there, and this one man just emptied the room, and he had give everything he could. He just sit there and he was like, oh, what am I going to do? And the man who had emptied the room came back to him and goes, I destroyed everything you said, but you still stood by what you believe. He goes, I want what you have. And it was the relationship he had with God. He had like he all the still, facts and figures. Yeah, like a, I think all that reason or something. Yeah, something he yeah. just kept talking. But it was the idea of the relationship. He had something that man, he goes, I thought that was just blew me away. The man come back after he destroyed mm -hmm. everybody. He wanted God. He yeah, goes, I love that. Yeah. I destroyed you, but you still there was this experience his relationship with God. So he was in kind of like a debate situation? Oh yeah, it was a long time ago and they had, I don't know, like 10 or 12, mm -hmm. 15 people in the room mm -hmm. and that man argued him down in a sense, but he still stood but he, everybody in that room left mm -hmm. after he finished, but Andrew sit there and he goes what? and the man walks in, after he did, everybody's left and comes in and goes, I Decimated you, in other words, have just destroyed you. Mm -hmm. Yet you still stood that he had a relationship with God that the man did not Because right. it cuts through all that. It cuts through all that intellectualism. You know, because a lot of that's, you know, and, and I don't remember all the specifics of that specific testimony, Me, but, you know, but, but we talk, but I do. I'm, I'm thinking about the type of individual that builds their self-worth and their value on their argument, their yes. intelligence, these external things, this ability to to show you that I am more intelligent than you are, right? And and really is masking a whole lot of hurt, you know, and emptiness, and and see what that man saw in in Andrew was like a, a genuine relationship going on there he has the intellectual argument and can articulate it well but i'm he's still empty there's a big difference between like 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 he said the argument and the experience they the, said yeah, you can't argue with the testimony no you can't you, yeah i mean you can't you you can't you can't you know because the fruit is there you can't just say the you know you can't just deny the fruit. An apple sitting on the table. No, it's not. You're not an apple. It's right there. You just abide. You just be who you are. And your fruit would testify mom of the goodness I, of God. Mom and I talked about it today. Actually, we were talking about you know friends we've known. We we've all been there. All have been there where it's like 
you get into like an intellectual argument with like another Christian, you know, the believer, y'all have different, like, you know, we have you know, different belief systems about the word, like we're discussing stuff here. Mm-hmm. And it'll be, well, so and so said this. Well, Billy Graham said this. I'm not against Billy Graham. I'm just saying different ones. Well, this preacher, well, Andrew Womack said this. Not that what Andrew Womack says is bad. It's good. We believe it's good here. But when you get to a point to where, you know, I woke up this morning, God showed me this. That's where the the strength really come, you know, the rubber meets the road, you know, it's, and I go, just share your your experience. That's right. Yeah. Your I used to you go there and win them, win them, win them. Do what you got to do to win them. I go, you can't win nobody with them, that kind of attitude. You just go there and tell them, show them love and tell them the truth. Right. And it's not up to you. Just show them love. Just show them the relationship you have with God. Mm-hmm. Don't look at me too close. I'm going to fail. Mm-hmm. He never does. Right. How can you stick with that? I, don't, I just know he's never failed me even when I thought he did. That's what I'll tell you. Right. like that. You can't. Like, and the scriptures. Oh, you for that. No, you can't. There's a doubt. The scriptures all about him keeping promises. To go back to the, you know, the relationship that you have and just like walking in the world, but trying not to be of the world. Mm-hmm. And somebody had invited me to the, move, to the movies this past weekend. It wasn't like it was a bad movie or anything, but I prayed about it and I was getting like, no, don't go see that movie. So my friend said to me, well, you only want to go to see the movies that you want to see. And I said, well, let me just share like where that is coming from. I'm in a place in my life now where I pray to the Holy Spirit and I have to say, is it okay for me to see this? Is this what I should be doing right now? And if the answer is no, I even though it's the movie you want to go see, I can't go see it because it's the Holy Spirit telling me that. She goes, oh, okay, well, that's really important. So, you know, and before that, I would just, like, I was hemming and hawing, like, no, not, I don't want to see that movie, but I wouldn't tell her why, you know, in the past. And then I said, let me just explain to you, like, where I am in my life right now. Yeah. And so, you know, just sharing, like, why you make the decisions you want to do, not because, like, you're trying to be good, yeah. or a bit, um, but I'm being powered by the Holy Spirit, like, and I, this would be going against my own truth, like, within me, and I, so I can't do it. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to test it. Right. Mm-hmm. That's good. And he knows what's best for you or right. anybody else, so... He knows. And it might be fine for somebody else to see that that movie. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's not always like because it's not like I'm saying I'm going to see any kind of crazy movie. Yeah, it's just, it's just something about it. It's something for you personally, right? He didn't want you to go see. Right. And that's something that he never, knows is better than we know ourselves. Yes, that's something that's never taught. Like in church, I we talk about that sometime here. Is like, you know, like the cookie cutter Christianity. Like, well, right. you know, someone it, it might be something. You know, I've seen it. I'll just use this example for years in the Christian realm, the dating or relationships and stuff. It's like, well, someone will have a big experience or write a big book, or have a big conference, and this is how you're supposed to go. And it's like, that may not be how God's leading me or the other person, but hey, praise God, it worked for you. You know, <laughs> that's good. That's what God needed you to do. But 
God may tell you know, God may tell you to find the one God has for you. Might tell you to stand on the corner out here in front of the macaroni roll. You know, <laughs> make sure it's safe. You know, but but you know, if you know that you know, I mean, you know, it's it's got to be what you feel. Like you said, God showing you. That's cool. You know. Yeah. But I, I love the fact that on the other side, I love the fact that Tina didn't condemn her for one on one. We'll see it. Because sometimes we can we can do that. We can make a pe- person feel bad because, well, you know what? You shouldn't see this because God don't like this and give him a whole lot of descriptions and all that. Like she said, it's about relationship because if that place, that person is not where Tina is, then you know what? They're not going to feel condemned. Well, she should make that person feel, we shouldn't have them, make a person feel condemned about doing something that's, you know, like, okay, I want to do it. Well, I mean, okay, you're just not there yet. And then she explained, this is for where I am. And so right now, that's not good for me. So I love the fact that she didn't beat her down for wanting to see it. She just told her, look, this is where I am. And this is where I feel like the Spirit of God is leading me. And so and until that person gets to that place, you know, or she, if she does get to that place where Tina is, then she may feel the same way. But until then, you still have to allow the people to, you know, like you said, get a relationship with God where they can feel the same way. That's good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. That's good. It's asking God if the negative, you know, religious stuff. But even if just, I told her she's learning and trusting more and more, and I've had to relearn because as soon as we went through, it's when you were going down, when we go home, we have two weeks when we go home, and we live in rural areas, you know, sometimes you get not a lot of houses. It was very, really dark, it's rural. And she'll say, you know, we're riding down, she'll say, I feel like we shouldn't go this back way. This time we need to go long, longer way. It's not that long, but it's longer, a little bit. And she goes, I don't know why. I said, then go the other way. I'm not going with you, though. We spent a lot. Why? I go, never mind. And as a, as a testimony, like, sometimes just feeling, but sometimes hearing. And long story short, but mom and I, we do a lot of like, interactions in Newport News, including our other extension of this Bible study, but which we love, um, of course, but we were driving down, just taking a, a drive one night, one of the routes we usually take there, and I literally was feeling, do not go a certain place one night, and I don't know why, she and still don't, I may she never know until heaven, I need to go, but I need to turn around, I, I literally, why. I was like, well, maybe it was just me, you know, you think it's you sometimes, I get up to the stoplight, it was a left turn, yield on green, nobody was around, and I heard don't go like not like audibly but almost like in my head like it was not my thought and i go mom we cannot turn right i go mm-hmm. i don't know god knows but thank you jesus you know because yeah. I, yeah. I was just because we're riding she goes i just really feel strong who knows it could have been some crazy people if you say it, you hear that don't go don't go mm-hmm. i mean there's officers that he knows about that the, the guy's in a very serious accident, right? Yeah. Because he, he kept going. <laughs> oh, I know. He, he was not supposed to be fast enough. That lady. He heard the Holy Spirit say, don't stop. She was already right. stopped. He wasn't supposed to stop. He knows. Yeah, that's true. So that, that just speaks to what we, ha- and what we have as New Testament, New Covenant believers. We, got, we, we have more than a roadmap, right? We have a personal guide, a tutor. A teacher, in the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside. Now, just going back to the point of using the law lawfully and what the true purpose of the law is. All right, just thinking about what we read in First in in First Timothy one. Let's go to Galatians three. 
Galatians 3, we're going to start at verse 23 and go down to verse 29. Galatians 3, 23 to 29. I'm reading that in New Living Translation 2. And it says, before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Verse 24, and then King James says, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. So we see that the law is our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ because the, the, and you see Jesus in the parables, you know, in Matthew and how he amplified the, the intent, the perfection of the law to the, to the degree that no, that no man could meet it. And that's the true, the true measure, the true calling of the law is to, to show us who we are naturally to bring us to a place where we are placing our trust in him because he's the only one that can fulfill the law. He is the one that has taken our sin. He is the one that fulfilled the law for us. He's the only one. He's the only way we could be made justified before God. So in a sense, the law also then reveals him as the Christ. Mm, that's good. I never thought about that it points to him. It's like yeah. you having trouble. Yeah, you'll never do this. That's Jesus. That's why you go to him. You know? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Because he said he did not come to ab to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. To fulfill it. I love it that Andrew Walmart will talk about that. He'll, you know, he's he's one of the first people, first person to introduce me personally, or I think mom too. A lot of us here probably that um. You know, we're, we'll get to where we think we have all the commandments down. If you really go in deep into the commandments and all the things that were expected, it was like if you had a mole, you were in sin. Or if you did this, you were in sin. It was like it's you delicious. would Everything. never, ever, like ever, ever, ever be able to do it, you know? Mm -hmm. So. Right. Right. So, you know, just look, just like the little exercise we did earlier. Love the Lord thy God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. How many of us are doing that perfectly? How many of us are doing that? 
really doing well, and that. Matthew, I mean, that's that's really the big one that hit against the law because it was more poignant for the Jew that that particular gospel. But I, I, every time they had an external law, he took it right down to the heart, mm -hmm. to what you did before you ever walked out the door. I loved it, and that with, hits everyone. Yes, with like the woman caught in <laughs> the adultery, you know where. I really always imagined, you know, he was right in the sand. I think it was just like, maybe he was just kind of, you know, almost like he was ignoring everybody. And then he just, they're like, what should we do with her? She's an adulteress and she's a blankety blank problem. What they say is like, just probably finally stands up, actually, and goes, wipes his hands off from the dirt and goes, okay. Whoever's without sin here, that's the first stone. And then he just leaves it, leaves them to their consciences. And then it was like, yeah, we've all screwed it up, you know? I heard one person say, they speculate that he was writing down their names and what they had, what they had alongside of their names. That's that's an interesting take. Interesting yeah. thought. Yeah, one doesn't tell us. Always seems fake. He was doing just simply writing, just drawing in the sand like. Well, you know, hanging themselves. The exciting thing about that is, someone mentioned that you know he's in the temple. It wasn't on sand or dirt. It was on stone. Is the finger of God on stone writing? I mean, cool. think about that for a minute. Because he's telling them it, the one without sin, you know, the, the one who wrote on stone what the, the law was, was actually kneeling down on the ground on stone with his finger. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. yeah. So think about, think, think, yeah, think about how silly that is when, you know, you got natural man trying to tell the lawgiver about keeping the law. Yeah. Look the way they question but Jesus, we do right? It, don't we? Yeah. Even we do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We argue with God about things. Yeah. Let's close in Galatians 5. Galatians 5, 22 to 24. And. A couple of points from the outline says the law governed the law governed our old man, but it doesn't govern our new man. There is no law against our new nature because it doesn't have a propensity or ability to sin. All right. Talking about the new man. All right. Verse 22, 23, 24 says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Now you see the distinction in verse 25 between identity and manifestation of the fruit, us walking it out. Since we are living by the Spirit, that is our reality because of who, of who we are in Christ Jesus. We live by the Spirit. So the encouragement is, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And that's that 
process of conforming, not to the world, but to the dictates of the spirit. All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us. And we'll see you in a couple weeks. Okay. Bye. All right. See y'all later. Bye. All right. Good night. See you guys. Bye. See you later.